Jared, I'll do it. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. On to the Arizona Cardinals for the 49ers, a familiar opponent because they just played them two games ago. That was the Thursday night in Phoenix or in in Glendale. That area is so spread out and huge, but they played them on the road. Now the 49ers get to host the Cardinals in what is the most fascinating and difficult stretch of this 2019 regular season. It's going to be a short week for the 49ers coming off a five-quarter loss to the Seattle Seahawks, 27-24 on Monday. And now Arizona, a team that they struggled with a bit in the second half on Thursday night, will come in. And guys, I think that the big question this week is, will this game go like the first half against Arizona on Thursday, or will it go like the second half against Arizona on that Thursday night? Because in the first half, the 49ers just completely smothered, shut down the, the Cardinals. They had almost more sack yards than Kyler Murray had passing yards, and in the second half, it looked like that Thursday night exhaustion hit them, and they were gashed for the first time defensively. I personally think that this Monday is a better indicator of how it will go. The defense was awesome. I think that uh, that will probably be the case on Sunday against the Cardinals throughout the whole game, but uh, Matt, I I just want to hear your thoughts about how the defense is going to match up with an unconventional offense with a rematch happening so quickly after the first meeting. Yeah, I mean, to me, and I, and I think we all agree on this, there was a, a bit of a, the Thursday night blahs that was affecting the, the 49ers defense in that first game in Arizona. Um, they should be more rested. You know, they are coming off a short week, but uh, I thought it was interesting that when you broke down the game snaps, they played five full quarters. I mean, the, the, the game ended at the very end of overtime against the Seahawks, but they only logged uh, something like, you know, 76 snaps which is which is a lot but isn't um a uh, a, a huge number so i, I think this will be a, a fairly well, at least fresher team than they played them uh on that first thursday night game to me and uh i'll, I'll ask this to dennis uh you know the, the question is what what happens on offense because what uh was the difference in that first thursday game was emmanuel sanders and he's a big question mark uh, he's got rib cartilage damage Going into this game, I think we, we talked about this on Tuesday morning. George Kittle looks like he's going to be another game-time decision, probably won't play. So uh, to me, that's the big question going into uh, Arizona is is what the, what are they going to have in the passing game on offense? Uh, Dennis, what are your thoughts? I think you're exactly right. The Seahawks did a fantastic job shutting down the run, uh, putting eight guys in the box and basically – daring Jimmy Garoppolo to go down the field. So I'm sure that's going to be the blueprint. You know, put eight, seven, eight guys in the box, shut down the run, uh, and then challenge the 49ers to make some passes down the field. And as of right now, you know, um, Debo Samuelson, he had a he had a, uh, a good game against the, the Seahawks. I think it was 112 yards. But, you know, he was really the only guy that was really consistent. Uh, someone has to, has to step up uh, in this receiving crew, and, and someone has to become that guy that kind of stretches the defense a little bit. So, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, they'll watch that, that tape from that Thursday night game, and, and you know, they've got to be pretty confident. You know, they, on, on, on offense, they, they kind of gashed the 49ers in the run with that, that uh, up-tempo and, 
and getting Kyler Murray outside the pocket, uh, running the ball with that 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 read zone. And uh, I think they're going to come into this game feeling like they have a good opportunity uh, in beating the 49ers, especially coming off a, a short week. But on the offense, you know, you, you, you got to come up with something scheme-wise. You, you got to get a run game going somehow. I know Matthew Breida has is, is got that ankle. Uh, Moster ran well against the Seahawks. But you got to have that run game so you can set up something down the field. But someone's got to catch the ball. You got to be consistent with uh, some of these high percentage uh, pass plays. Catch the ball. That is exactly what I wrote about in my all football column this week that came out today. And and I framed it around the Sanders question. And it's a George Kittle question as well. I think that you have to have one or the two. That's what Monday really definitively taught us. They obviously didn't have George Kittle at all. So we can only work with the Sanders variable. And guys, there are 15 drives for the 49ers. Two drives with Emmanuel Sanders. They score 10 points. Jimmy Garoppolo averages 8.5 yards per attempt, which would be right up number one or number two in the NFL. 13 drives without him, six points. So fewer fewer points in 13 drives than in the first two with him. And, and Garoppolo goes down from 8.5 yards per attempt to 4.5 yards per attempt, which is terrible. So tale of two different games. I mean, just totally drastic, right? When you have Emmanuel Sanders in and Emmanuel Sanders is out. And you know, what I structured it around is that the 49ers with that game against Carolina, where they just gashed the Panthers, they were over six yards a carry. We've seen the next two opponents just not want to get embarrassed in the same way that the Panthers did. We've seen Arizona and Seattle both just stack the box with eight men. And, you know, against the Cardinals, the 49ers made them pay. The 49ers want the box to be stacked against them. That That's their goal all offseason. Mike McDaniel, the, the run game coordinator, said, we, we're trying to earn single safety. We're trying to earn those guys coming to the box so that Jimmy can throw over the top. So they got what they wanted from that Panthers game, and they capitalized on it against Arizona, but without Emmanuel Sanders and George Kittle, they couldn't capitalize on it against the Seahawks. So, Matt, it's I think it, it, this is a pass to set up the run situation at this point because you just can't keep on running into a brick wall when, when opponents are, are, are selling out. So, so, so the run game has set up the pass game, but now uh, the, the opposite has to happen. The pass game is going to need to set up the run game. Yeah, I, I think this is an opportunity for Marquise Goodwin. I mean, Marquise Goodwin two years ago was on the cusp of becoming an elite receiver in this, in, in this league. He was on his way to an 1,000-yard season. He would have gotten it if he hadn't gotten a, a cheap shot uh, against the Rams in, in the finale. And um, all of a sudden, he's gone to sort of a, a non-entity. Uh, he was uh, scratched the last two games, one with a, a personal matter that he was attending. And then the next game, on a short week, I, I guess they felt like he didn't ha- have enough practice to be ready for that, that, that game against the Cardinals. And then uh, on Monday against the Seahawks, Three targets, zero receptions. So Dante Pettis getting a lot of heat for his three-target, zero-reception game. But uh, Goodwin was was in the same boat, and he also had a big drop. It was early in the game, whereas uh, Pettis' was late. But uh, I just feel like uh, if there's no uh, Emmanuel Sanders for this game, Marquise Goodwin plays the exact same spot. He's got great speed. He's a, a veteran receiver. He's done it in the past. Why not him? He should be the guy who steps up in this game. So I, I think that that is a possible solution to the the conundrum. Dennis, what do you think about Dante Pettis? I mean, he, he, he got more 
very harsh words from uh, Kyle Shanahan yesterday in, in the conference call that Shanahan was on, uh, saying that he needs to make the most of his opportunities. What, what were you seeing from Dante Pettis in this most recent game? The reason why, I mean, I, I think the reason why Dante Pettis was, was kind of picked so high in the draft was because of his ability to return punts. And, and I think the 49ers have kind of lost confidence in that, and, and now he becomes a receiver. I don't think the game is slowed down for Dante yet. I think he, you know, he's still kind of in that rookie mode. And uh, we saw him take some shots, and, and that affected him later in the football game. But Kyle Shanahan has been riding Dante Pettis since training camp, and he's been asking for more. He's, I think he sees the talent that Dante has, but he's just not – kind of reaching it right now and it's got to be frustrating and especially now when you need a passing game and you know Dante has such a great ability to get that separation he's so quick off the ball but for some reason he's just not reaching that potential right now and he's got to understand that this is the NFL and it's all about you know what have you done or or what can you do or what have you put on the tape it's going to get to the point where, you know, it's going to have to be a decision made. I mean, if he's going to be in the football game, I mean, if you're a receiver, you know, and you have your opportunities to catch the ball, you have to kind of seize those opportunities. And you can't be that guy who leaves the game with no receptions and you've dropped a couple passes, crucial passes. So, you know, he's being evaluated and, and it's going to be interesting to see what the 49ers do if they continue to have him on the field or, you know, if you go out and you, you, you see if, if there's something else out there that's going to make this team better. But, you know, you talk about, you know, the pass setting up the run game. Right now, the 49ers don't have a pass attack if George Kittle's not in there. And, you know, he's got that knee and he, you know, he banged up that knee pretty bad. And uh, I'll be surprised if he'll be able to even play this week because he really hyperextended that knee. Uh, and then he played on it afterwards. So, I'm sure there's a lot of swelling and a lot of soreness in that knee. But, you know, Dante Pettis has to understand the opportunity he has. And um, he's got to go out and he's got to compete. And he's got to start in practice. And uh, he's just got to, I mean, he's just got to get it in his head that, you know, this is his job now. And it's not a scholarship anymore. And he's got to go out there and he's got to perform. You look at how these defenses are approaching the, the 49ers. I think your your point on Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders is just right because, these defenses are aggressive at the line of scrimmage. They're gearing up to stop the run, but that also means that there's a lot of guys crowded close to the formation and Jimmy Garoppolo, and that means that that's a challenge to the quarterback, to the receiver. That means he's going to have to get the ball out quick, too, because in a lot of cases, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the quarterback up close. So that means that the receivers have to develop quick separation. They have to be tough. I mean, this is this is going to be a recurring theme. We've seen it now for two straight weeks. We saw Garoppolo and Emmanuel Sanders connect so effectively against Arizona to beat the eight-man boxes. Obviously, th there was nothing after Sanders got hurt against the Seahawks, but it felt like the, the old-school 49ers Seahawks games. It felt like a playoff game. There was real physicality there. It wasn't your Sunday afternoon in, in Cincinnati. You know, Dante Pettis had a couple balls there where he, he was he was jarred. He was hit hard, and he wasn't able to hang on. Then, then he showed some alligator arms in overtime. That can't happen. I mean, in games like this, for the 49ers to loosen up these boxes, the receivers are going to have to develop quick separation, and they're going to have to make tough 
physical catches. It's a different brand of football game as you head into the second half of the season with a target on your back and you're playing games against playoff contenders and then you're heading to the playoffs. Not all games are created equal. And Dante Pettis and the rest of the receiving crew, Kendrick Bourne too, he needs to make those big catches when when he knows that you know maybe he's going to take a hit. Uh, he's been better at that than, than, than Dante Pettis, but he did have a big drop, although that one was in space against the, the Seahawks. But the, the receivers are going to have to be nails because if they're not nails then the 49ers won't make opponents pay and, and the offense is going to stall. And and Matt, it would be a pity, I think, for the 49ers to waste what's still a historically good pass defense. They got better in the advanced metrics after they faced Seattle. So at this point, it's one half of the team excelling and the other half straggling behind. Let's talk about uh, what's been discussed uh, in national media after this game, which is Shanahan should have been playing or at least uh, positioning the, the team for the possibility of a tie at the end of the game, which, you know, uh, w- when you look at it, uh, it, it makes sense because, you know, a, a tie would have given the, the 49ers a, a significantly better chance of, of winning the division at the end of the season than a loss has. But uh, I'm just wondering from a player's perspective, Dennis, how would that have played in the locker room among the players if, you know, they had, they had been very conservative, you know, maybe run the ball three straight times and, you know, basically played for a tie at the end of the game. I know it wouldn't have, you know, rung well with the fans inside the stadium, but what would the, what would the players' reaction be like in that scenario? Hey, that That's a good question, and um, it's tough to answer because, you know, as a player, you don't practice through the week for a tie. That's, that's never. You're always practicing to win football games. But in this case, I think... It would be tough. I think if, if that were the case, Coach Shanahan would have to explain in the locker room why we kind of played for the tie. Or I don't even know if players would even understand, you know, if what the strategy would be to play for, for a tie. And that would just be let the clock run out, kill some time. Uh, if you have to punt the ball back to, to the Seahawks in that overtime and just not give them enough time to set up for a field goal and, and, and the game ends up being a tie. But... You know, in this case, it would have worked out, you know, good for the 49ers because, you know, a loss kind of keeps it wide open in in the division and and a tie kind of, you know, keeps you up a half a game or a game and a half. So it it would be tough because as a player, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of geared or you kind of prepare to win football games and not tie football games and not lose football games. But in this case, it would have worked out advantage 49ers if this game would end up as a tie the fans would would have probably would have been upset if you play conservative and just kind of kill the clock and let the clock run down but in the long run it just helps out the football team but that game was so you know so up and down and it was it was just an exciting game to watch watch watching Russell Wilson kind of you know, uh, 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 play against this defense and and you know the back and forth and the turnovers I think the fans would have left the the stadium, you know, kind of happy with the with the tie because the game was so competitive uh, the entire time. It was funny because I was actually as a fan at Candlestick Park on November eleventh, two thousand twelve. That was actually the day that Alex Smith suffered a concussion against the St. Louis Rams at the time. Colin Kaepernick came in and led the Forty ers to a tie with the Rams, twenty four twenty four. Fast forward exactly 
seven years, right? Yeah, seven years to the day. November 11th, 2019, and the 49ers and Seahawks were very, very close to playing a tie at the same exact score, 24-24. Wouldn't that have been nuts? I mean, these ties in football are so rare, and then to have two on the same exact day against the division rival, that that would have been crazy. And and it looked like it was headed that direction um, just because both defenses obviously were playing so well. The 49ers kept the Seahawks out of the end zone with, with the Dre Greenlaw interception and and then you think the Niners have a chance to win, but once that kick uh, missed, I, I thought we were going to be in one of those stalemate kind of games. But I just thought, in my opinion, is that the 49ers should have played it so that a tie would be the worst possible outcome. You, you don't have to either play for a tie or play for a win. It's not an either-or kind of thing. You could insulate yourself against a loss, though. And the 49ers didn't do that by passing three straight times. I I, I think that, that Kyle Shanahan's quote was was incorrect about this. He he said, well, I thought that giving Russell Wilson a, a minute le- left instead of 140 would be the same thing, that he'd be able to drive down the field and win anyway. And, I mean, uh, that shows no respect to, again, what has been a historically good passing defense and which was excellent again against the Seahawks on on Monday night, the, the, the well, one minute, 40 less seconds, 40 fewer seconds for Russell Wilson would have been a huge deal because this 49ers defense was playing him uh, r- really well. But the 49ers could not run any clock. They didn't run any safe passes. Uh, you know, Dante Pettis wasn't reliable and, and the alligator arms cost them on that last drive. So it, it didn't work out for the 49ers, but it was still some fascinating strategy. So they're in worse position now. Uh, you know, in terms of the division race, the Seahawks are right there on their tail. They quote unquote control their own destiny, but there's there's still so much football left to be played. The Seahawks can lose several more times. So can the 49ers. But we're moving forward now, Matt, into into the teeth of the schedule. Can the 49ers course correct and reestablish you know a dominant position in the NFC West to get the to get the Seahawks off their tails a little bit? I think that th- this weekend turns into a must win against the Cardinals, considering what's coming after that as far as the opposition. Yeah, it's it's a huge game, and we say this every week. You know, just the way that uh, the Seattle game left this team. I, I agree with you guys. That was the the most physical game that they played all season. It, it harkened back to the you know, the height of this rivalry. It was like a playoff game. And it's left the 49ers extremely battered. I mean, they're going to have a practice later today. We're going to see the, the the practice report, the injury report for the first time. I'm expecting there to be, you know, a double-digit number of names on that report, guys who are either not practicing or, or limited. Uh, and it's going to show just how banged up they are. And it's going to really test the resolve of this team. And you know, people get bummed out by injuries, and it seems like that's all we talk about. But there are even more big ones this week. We haven't even talked about the fact that Joe Staley had a had another fracture, uh, broke a finger, dislocated the, the same finger, is contemplating surgery. And if he has the surgery, he's going to miss what Shanahan said is a couple of weeks. Shanahan tends to underestimate these things by a few weeks uh, each time. So, you have to figure it's it's more than a, a couple of weeks if he has finger surgery. And so, uh, again, you're looking at Justin School. And, and I know people were, were watching Staley and, and seeing Clowney have a big game. Staley is better than Justin School. There's no two ways about it. So, uh, you know, having him out of the game again, you know, we're, we're talking about the deep passing game. and What do they do? That hinders the deep passing game as well. 
you just don't have as much faith to kind of uh, call those, those dropbacks. So you've got him, you've got Sanders, you've got Kittle. Uh, as Dennis noted, Matt Breida might uh, miss this game. DJ Jones is going to miss this game. Ronald Blair has an ACL. He's out for the season. So, uh, you know, it's gut check time. And uh, when, when that happens in, in early November, that's a big deal. And, uh, you know, they've risen to every challenge to this point. Uh, it seems like the challenge grows a little bit each week. And uh, Dennis, what do you think about that? Just uh, kind of the, the, the toughness test that uh, the 49ers are in for in the coming weeks. The injuries kind of, it, it's kind of, it seems like the 49ers have a lot of injuries. I, do. I, I don't follow other teams like I do the 49ers, but it just seems like this team gets real beat up. I mean, after every game, there seems like there's a starter that, that goes down. You know, you get rid of your, your, your whole type of your strength and conditioning team from previous years and your, your medical, your training staff. But the injuries are still there. So, you know, I don't know if, if that's off-season programs that, you know, that the 49ers have that these guys just get hurt during the season. Or it's just the fact that, you know, the game is just so physical now that, you know, a lot of guys drop. But the 49ers have a tough, you know, three weeks ahead of ahead of them. And and I think you're right, Matthew. I think, you know, we talk about all, the, all these other games I think this could be the most important game, you know, on the schedule because, you know, you, you have the Cardinals and then you have, you know, the the Packers coming here, then you have the Ravens on the road. So it's going to get tough now and, it, and it's going to really test the character and the toughness of this football team. And it's going to really put a lot of stress on this coaching staff. I mean, you know, how are you going to get these guys ready, you know, for this next three weeks? And it's going to be tough. But uh, it is what it is, and you still – the games are scheduled. You have to suit up, and you have to go out there and play. And, you know, these – the second half of the season is – you know, this third quarter here is going to be – it's going to be tough. But um, you got to play the football games, and, you know, this, this is what, you know, championships are made out of. If you can make it through these next three weeks uh, and then finish off with some divisional games, they're going to be super important. But this week is going to be huge. And like I said, I think the Cardinals come into this football game feeling pretty confident that they can come out with a win just because of that Thursday night game. And that's going to be the big question this week. Is that Thursday night game and the game flow that we saw indicative of what's going to happen on Sunday? I'm going to go out on a limb and and say no. I really think that the 49ers smother them this week because I've seen these Thursday night games. They get weird. The defenses get tired. And if there's one consistent arm of this 49ers operation, it it has been the defense. And they earned a lot of trust and, and even more respect, I think, for what they did with Russell Wilson. You guys know that I love looking at the advanced numbers and tracking how this pass defense is doing, how the overall defense is doing. And, you know, everybody was saying, uh, you know, they're on a record pace right now, the 49ers are as far as pass defense goes, better than the 85 Bears. People were saying, oh, well, once they play um, Russell Wilson and they start playing good quarterbacks, they're going to fall off pace. The pace in the DVOA, the defense adjusted value over average, actually improved. They got better after facing one of the top quarterbacks in the game. You tell me that, and then you give me Kyler Murray on, you know, I know it's a short week again, but this is more rest than a Thursday. I, I don't think this ends up well with Kyler Murray, especially since 
the 49ers defense knows that they have to make up for an offense that's really hurt right now. As you guys are saying, these injuries, yeah, the 49ers have been adaptable, but when you start having injuries at key fracture points, you know, the key structural areas of this offense, like George Kittle, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Joe Staley, you know, being one of them, he wasn't even playing well on on Monday, but uh, still left tackle is so important. When those injuries start hitting at the wrong spots, with quarterback obviously being the big one that happened to the 49ers last year, that's when things start faltering. And Matt, I think that means that Shanahan, you know, if Sanders and Kittle aren't back and if the line is still not playing well, I think Shanahan is going to have to be creative in this game uh, unless his his receivers get magically better. I know for sure he can't have that many drops again, but uh, something is going to have to give to beat these eight-man boxes. Yeah, absolutely. And and going off your point about the defense, uh, that that in the last Thursday night game against the Cardinals, uh, the, the Cardinals also had a very fresh Kenyon Drake, the, the running back that they had just acquired in that game. He won't be quite as fresh for this one. So everything seems to indicate a uh, a lower scoring game against Arizona. And having said that, it'll probably be 55-54. But that's the issue, really is that if if it is a tight game, then you're kind of giving yourself up to the, the vagaries of chance. You know, a, a Russell Wilson 21-yard scramble at the end of overtime, that sort of thing. And Kyler Murray is perfectly capable of, of doing that as well. So, uh, you know, the, the 49ers are exposed a little bit. But um, like we said before, they have met every challenge. The defense just uh, put forth a Herculean effort against the the Seahawks and really kept that team in the game, kept that kept hope alive during what should have been uh, a, a fairly easy Se- uh, Seahawks second half. And uh, you're right. I mean, that that's going to have to be what keeps this team going as it tries to overcome all of these uh, offensive injuries. Uh, Dennis, uh, how do you see this game playing out? And I guess we should start giving our our predictions for this game. <laughs> I think defense, I think the 49ers will have the same game plan that they had against Russell Wilson. And that's kind of keep Kyler Murray in the pocket. Now, with that being said, if you watch the Seahawks game, there were a lot, especially in overtime, Russell Wilson was able to recognize the defense and understand that he would have an opportunity to scramble. Cardinals have a lot of design quarterback run plays once Kyler Murray Murray gets in the pocket. So I I think you're going to see a lot more of him scrambling to run the football against the 49ers, especially in man coverage. But I think if you can keep this Kyler Murray within the pocket, it's going to be hard to get, you know, some of those explosive plays down the field. The key is going to keep him contained in the pocket and make him throw from the pocket. Offense, I mean, offense, you, you, you got to have a balance. And I think that's the key. I think the key is to, to get that run game. You can believe that watching the tape that uh, Chandler Jones is going to be begging to get out there, to, to go against whatever tackle it is and to take some of those inside moves like Clowney was doing that just disrupted the game. I mean, he Clowney pretty much took over the football game and he really disrupted the offense. So, And he did a lot of that with a lot of inside moves. So... You know, your game plan, understand that the blueprint's out there and, and you, you have to have a run-pass game and you got to have a pass game. You got to figure out who Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be, have the confidence. And that's my question. Do you guys see Jimmy Garoppolo with any confidence with his receiving crew? 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that was... Uh, he did look a little skittish. I mean, the Garoppolo question, and I called it the Garoppolo Wars a few weeks back. I mean, they've taken a step into a different stratosphere now. Now it's getting really intense on the internet, obviously, after a 49ers loss in which he did, he did look shaky at times. It's 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 really complicated to evaluate a quarterback behind a sieve of an offensive line, which is what that was for the 49ers. I mean, we, we haven't seen Mike McGlinchey and Joe Staley play that poorly together ever. They gave up... I think 11 pressures combined, or I know Jadavian Clowney himself had had 11 pressures. And then when the backup center, Ben Garland, came in, um, that was a disaster for 11 snaps too. So so when you're playing behind a bad offensive line, which the 49ers were for the majority of the game on Monday, and you're throwing the receivers who are dropping the ball um, throughout the entirety of the game, it it makes sense that, that the guy... You, you know that's throwing the ball might might lose a little bit of confidence and I think by the by the last drive we saw a, a shaky Garoppolo he missed Debo Samuel on the streak he underthrew it uh, he, he he looked a little tentative in the pocket that being said I thought that he made a lot happen during the course of the game uh, which was impressive considering the circumstances but he also made some you know skittish mistakes because I don't think I think you're right I don't think that that trust was fully there so it, it's a really up and down kind of thing and and it's a two-sided thing Garoppolo needs to believe in the guys on uh, that he's throwing to and he needs to believe in his blockers yeah he's all but said that uh you know Emmanuel Sanders is the one guy that he trusts I mean uh, a veteran uh wide receiver he said that uh you know he, he kind of feels the openings in zone coverage he's able to beat the man coverage he's just uh a uh, a receiver that a quarterback has an immediate chemistry with uh, because they see the game the same way. And, and that's what's lacking with the other guys. Most of these other guys are young guys that just don't have that feel yet. And they're not on the same page as an NFL quarterback yet. That's going to come in time. But Dennis is right. I mean, uh, you know, there there is a lack of trust because of that. And, and that's why I, I feel like Marquise Goodwin should be the the key to this game because he is a veteran receiver. He can get downfield. He has done it in the past. Someone needs to step up. To me, the obvious answer is Goodwin in this game. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, Garoppolo uh, was much more hesitant. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that this game changed when Emmanuel Sanders left. And uh, that's a big reason for it because Garoppolo did not trust the rest of his guys like he does Ironically, the guy who just uh, arrived two and a half weeks ago. I can guarantee you that the Cardinals will put seven men in the box uh, because, you know, there's no threat uh, in, in, in the passing game. And, and they figure if you shut down that run, you can beat the 49ers. Yep. And that's what it all comes down to. I think that we've moved into pass to set up the run. I mean, it's a yin and a yang, though, the, the offense has to find the correct balance and they found it against Arizona. This has just been a one game thing. And again, the variable that change in the one game is, is, is you don't didn't have the top two receivers and the line was rusty. So you got to give the 49ers some time. They stacked the wins. They got to eight. No, uh, they earned the luxury of time. You know, you could afford, you can insulate yourself against the loss and now they have to start winning again. Otherwise uh, they may not get the number one seed that, that they seem to be hurdling toward uh, before. So um, it's going to be a fascinating November and December for this team, starting with Sunday against the Cardinals. Anyway, another fun episode of Here's the Catch. Thank you to 
Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown. We will talk to you after Sunday's game against the Cardinals. This is David Lombardi signing off. Thank you.